So we started in Doctrine and Covenants section 8, um, where the Lord declared early on in the Restoration, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart. Kind of two forms of revelation. Elder Scott, one of the member of the Quorum of the Twelve, said, A revelation to our heart is more of a general, he's with me message. Not an instruction, direction, do this. It's more of a, I'm here, I'm with you. And I think every one of you, I don't know how close you, I hope you're close to your parents, but you remember sometimes I needed to ask my parents something. I needed information. I needed direction and counsel. And other times I simply needed what? I just needed to be with them. Do you remember feeling safe when your dad was there? I have a son, bless his heart. I have a son who's terrified of the wind, absolutely terrified of the wind. And when it's windy, he always, where's dad? Because as long as dad's there, everything's going to be okay. And sometimes that's me and Heavenly Father. I just need to be with him. I just need to know that he's there. And that is a form of revelation that some of us completely don't consider as revelation. If I ask the question, how often do you receive revelation? Many people don't even consider that revelation, and yet isn't that one of the most common forms? How often should he tell me what to do? Constantly? You think Heavenly Father should tell me what toothpaste to buy when I go to the store? Would that be healthy for me as a grown-up to have Heavenly Father tell me constantly what to do? So this shouldn't be constant, but what should this be? constant. He is always with us. And those of you who have doubted that need to repent and realize he has been with you all along, even if it's just to soften your heart. So last week we took a look at messages to the heart. How does God manifest himself when he's just there? Things like comfort and strength. Over your lifetime, how often has he poured out strength? Ability to do something that you would not have been able to do without him and his help. How often has he poured out comfort? Near tangible arms of peace. Now, that being said, we do need guidance. I need direction. Like any child, turning to a father, saying, help me with this decision. Let's talk about how he speaks to my mind. All right, let's start in Doctrine and Covenants section 6. Again, if I don't write the book, you assume that it's in Doctrine and Covenants. So Doctrine and Covenants 6, I think it's 22 and 23. It might be 23 and 24. I'm going to guess it's 22. So, Doctrine and Covenants section 6, Oliver Cowdery. Now, Oliver Cowdery is tempted to quit his job and be Joseph Smith's scribe. Would you want a little divine confirmation that that was a smart thing to do? I would want some confirmation that what Joseph is doing is right. He's going to quit his job. And how well does scribing for a prophet pay? 
Now, I would, need some, I would want some divine confirmation that this is the case, right? So the Lord reminds Oliver in section 6 how he answered his prayer. The question surely must have been, is that, am I sane? Is this a wise decision? Quitting my job and scribing for this guy that claims to be translating new scripture. All right, watch what the Lord said. Anyone want to read? 22 and 23. Help me read. Amanda, please. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cry unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Pause, pause. That's a mind decision. Do you see the difference? He wasn't saying, hey, I'm scared, be with me. He's saying, I need an answer. Remember when you asked that specific question. Now, how did the answer come? Amanda? So there's one manifestation, peace to my mind. Now, is there a peace that comes to my heart? Yes. But what is peace to my mind? What has Oliver felt in this circumstance? Confusion. And then all of a sudden, what comes? Like a storm stilled as an answer. Should I quit my job and translate for, the, for this man, Joseph? And amid the confusion came a moment of peace in his mind. That was an answer. One of the ways Heavenly Father answers your question is by calming the confusion and bringing peace to your mind. Can you think of all the times in your life an answer was given to you in the form of peace in confusion? Should I quit? I don't know. This is crazy. This doesn't pay well. What if this guy's a fraud? How do I know he has gold plates? He won't show them to me. This is confusing. I don't know what to do. And then came peace to his mind. How many of you have moved forward with a decision confidently because peace in confusion answered the question? There's one form of revelation. Now, a very similar way, James is smiling because he's thinking about how many times I know James well enough to know that peace motivates him. When it, when it brings peace to his heart, he knows it's right. And one of the ways that I guarantee revelation has come is peace to my mind. Now, very similar way to answer, but let me just show you a different way to look at it. And that's section 9, verse 8. Joseph, or Oliver's now translating the plates. He, at least he wants to try and translate the plates. And then he fails. And the Lord is going to answer the question, why he failed. Now look at the very end of verse 8. How do you know something is right? What's the phrase there? Now I would bypass burning in your bosom. That. <clears throat> Maybe we address that. The emotional part of you and the spiritual part of you are so closely tied. 
that it is very possible to be deceived into thinking a spirit, an emotional experience is a spiritual experience. They are not always the same. Now, can a spiritual spirit be emotional? Yes. But is it necessarily spiritual because it was emotional? No. So burning in the bosom, we need to set aside. But go to verse, the end of verse 8. What does he say? You'll know it's right because you will. I love the phrase here. You will feel it is right. Now that's very like peace and confusion, right? Peace amid confusion and a feeling that this is the right thing to do. How many times have you moved forward confidently because you knew the right answer based on I feel it is right? That's one of the ways he speaks to your mind. I know this is the right thing to do. I feel it. I feel that this is the right thing to do. Coming out of high school, I had my eye set on a particular school in California. That is where I wanted to attend. In the meantime, I was offered a scholarship at a local university, and I didn't think it was where I should be. So I drove up there and walked through the campus. And just as I came down into the campus, I had the most overwhelming feeling it is right. This is where I need to attend. I didn't even pursue the other. This is right. He answered me in a feeling that is right. You recognize those? Now, sometimes it comes as peace in my mind. Sometimes it comes as a feel. I feel that this is the right thing to do. I, I know this is the right thing. Brigham Young, sick as a dog, perks up on his wagon, sees the Salt Lake Valley and says what? This is it. This is right. This is the right place. We're here. I know it. That's how God answers. Peace amid confusion or I feel it is right. James. So there are circumstances that I've run into with other people where they're like, oh, I feel it's right. And then two weeks later, it's, I don't feel it's right. And you're like, wait, why, why the big change? Yeah. It's more emotional. Because Heavenly Father doesn't change his mind, right? Right. And so again, was it a feeling? Was it spirit? Yeah. Or was it emotion? And we'll get into rules of revelation in a couple weeks. But there is the challenge. Feel it is right, and yet sometimes it's an emotional felt it was right, and I was not being led by revelation. So let me give you the next one. And this is where I wish the music would crescendo. You know when something big is about to happen when the music starts building it up, right? So imagine the music building it up right now. You're going to say, oh, so he's about to say something really important because the music is building it up. I don't think I can teach you a more profound thing than what I'm about to teach you. I believe it is the secret to understanding how God instructs us. And I think most of you sometimes sit back and say, I don't think God instructs me very often. I beg to differ. And let me point out the next one. Now, let me ask you this question. If I were to give you a ride home, let's suppose you were my neighbor, or no, let's just suppose we've been friends for a while, and you were to say, Brother Dunford, could I get a ride home? You bet. 
I guarantee you would not give me turn-by-turn instructions the whole way. Okay, put your car in reverse, pull out of the parking stall that you're in, and head towards the exit of the Institute. Now you're going to turn right. You would not tell me turn-by-turn instructions. So tell me when you would speak to me. When would you tell me instructions about getting you to, to your home? When something important was about to happen. And when I went the wrong way. So guess how Heavenly Father speaks. Something very important is about to happen. Let me make sure you know. Turn right at the next exit. It's very important that you turn right. And then when else do you speak up? Oh, uh, you should have turned right there. So guess what the next one's going to be. Look at chapter 9, verse 9. Now, I don't necessarily, the, the, the language here, I'm not going to lift. I'm going to use a different term. What is he describing in verse 9? When you do something that is not right, you will know it for sure. In other words, there is a voice. One of the most important voices that comes from Heavenly Father is the voice that says what? What you are doing is wrong. You will feel it is wrong. Now, don't raise your hand. But how many of you know that voice well? How many of you heard it today? How many of you heard it this week? How many of you have not gone a day without hearing it? Or a week without hearing it? I know that voice well. Every time I say something I shouldn't say, do something I shouldn't do, think something I shouldn't think, every time I am somewhere I shouldn't be, without fail, what does he say? You shouldn't be doing this. I know it. That voice is as quick and as dependable as anything else. Have you ever said something you shouldn't without almost immediately knowing you shouldn't have said it? And he said you shouldn't have said it. Have you ever stolen something? And as soon as you're walking out of the store, what happens? You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be here. How often does he tell you when you're doing something wrong? Now, ready? If he's not telling me I'm wrong, then what? Then I'm going the right direction. That might be one of the most profound things I could teach you. The absence of Heavenly Father telling me I'm going the wrong way is the most form, the most common form of revelation. Do you see what I'm trying to say? In other words, the best way Heavenly Father guides you is by not talking to you. Do you see that connection? Having confidence that I'm going the right direction because I know I'm not going the wrong direction. 
That is being led by revelation. And it's something I can do every single day. I'm not going in the wrong direction. Therefore, I conclude what? I must be going the right direction. Now, how often should he tell me what to do? This is not common, is it? I need to exercise my agency. I need to grow up and take care of myself. And so he's not going to tell me everything to do. But when I'm doing something wrong, he tells me immediately. The absence of that voice is the most common way he guides me. And I'm guessing you too. I am going the right direction. How do you know that? Because I know I'm not going the wrong direction. That voice I know. So let me ask you a question. I guarantee everyone in the room would like a little bit more clarity from God as to what the next step in my life is. I wish he would just tell me. But how many of you are headed in a direction and you know it's not the wrong way to go? You know the path you're headed is not the wrong path. Then tell me, are you being led by Heavenly Father? Are you being guided by revelation? Yes, you are. Now he's letting you make some decisions, right? But I know I'm not on the wrong path. Tell me how much confidence you should have when you know you're not on the wrong path. 100%. Do you see how much he guides us? And we have not, how many of you have not even taken that into consideration about Heavenly Father guiding me because he's not talking to me? Well, the fact that he's not talking to me is the best news ever. It means I'm headed the right direction. You're on, you, keep going, Bryce. You're doing great. You don't need any direction. You're just headed in the right direction. Now, when I get to a critical turn, is he more likely to, okay, something really important is coming up. Let me help you. But as long as I'm headed the right direction, what does he do? He lets me go because he's guiding me the whole way. He's in the passenger seat, making sure I get where I need to go. And it's okay if I take that street or that street as long as I end up there. But I can't take that street. And he'll let me know. Do you see how often you are led by revelation constantly in your life? Let me share a quotation from Elder Holland. The confidence that comes when you know you're not on the wrong path. One time, uh, Elder Holland and his son, Matt, were on a little bit of a journey. And they came to a fork in the road, and they chose left. They went left. And shortly after they went left, they came to a dead end. So they turned around. Oh, they were inspired. to. They felt inspired to go left. And as soon as they went left, they came to a dead end. So Matt asked his dad, why did the Spirit so strongly impress us to go to the left when it was the wrong way? Why was the Spirit so quick to tell us the wrong path? Elder Holland said, 
Let's read it. Dad, why did we both feel like Heavenly Father told us to go down the road to the left when it was the wrong road? Maddie, I've been thinking and silently praying about that same thing all the way home because I really did feel a distinct impression to take the road to the left. How quickly does God point out the wrong road? The Lord has taught us an important lesson today. Because we were prompted to take the road to the left, we quickly discovered which one was the right one. When we turned around and got on the right road, I was able to travel along its unfamiliar twists and turnoffs, perfectly confident. Why? Where did his confidence come from? God wasn't telling him to be on that road. Where did his confidence come from? I know I'm not on the wrong road. I was headed in the right direction. If we had started to the, on the right road, we might have driven 30 minutes or so, become uneasy with the unfamiliar surroundings and been tempted to turn back. Had we done that, we would have discovered the dead end so late it would have been too dark to find our way back in totally unfamiliar territory. Because I knew I wasn't on the wrong road, I had confidence I was traveling the right direction. Do you see that truth in your life? How many of you can confidently say, I'm not headed the wrong direction? Because I know what he would be saying to me if I were. Have you ever headed the wrong direction in your life? Do you remember what he said? How many times he said it? How often he said it? Are you headed the wrong direction? Therefore, do you really need him telling you constantly that you're on the right road. Have confidence that you are being led by a divine father. James. I think there was something that Dr. Bednar <clears throat> taught that helped me understand this because initially I was like, I haven't felt the spirit in years, but it's, it's like being in water. How he's like, a fish in water doesn't know it's in water. It only knows when it's out of water. Yeah. And so when we, even in meetings and things like that, when we invite the spirit, the spirits are here. It's just we need to open our ears and just that. Is it easier to tell when the Spirit's here or when the Spirit's not here? And that's often <laughs> the case for me. When it's not. I quickly know when it's not here. It's not always obvious when it's here because I kind of take it for granted. But I definitely know when it's not here. Can I make a confession and none of you will judge me for it? I didn't marry my wife because she was the right person. I don't think there is a right person. I think there were other people I could have married and we would have been a good match. But I was praying that the Lord confirm my decision. Is she the right one? Is she the right one? And it never came. I was wanting this. Tell me she's the right one, Lord. Tell me she's the right one and I'll marry her. And the Lord was like, it's not my choice, Bryce. It's your choice. And I was frustrated. Why aren't you telling me that she's the right one? The day I planned on proposing, I'm in the temple and I'm planning on proposing on this day. And all of a sudden I realized I've been asking the wrong question. I've been asking, is she the right one? And what should I have been asking? Is she the wrong one? 
And so that morning I said, Heavenly Father, is she the wrong one? And I looked back on our time together and realized how many times he should and would have told me she was the wrong one and never did. He never, ever, ever hinted that she was the wrong. Now, have you ever dated someone and the Lord kind of let you know it was the wrong one? My daughter did, and we all knew. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, I realized she's not the wrong one. Therefore, if I marry her, it's my choice. And I want to marry her. I moved forward with so much confidence because I knew she wasn't the wrong one, that I was on a good path. Do you see how much revelation you have and you've taken it for granted? Start counting the absence of his it's not right as he's telling you you're on the right path. That's revelation. Thoughts? Comments? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to make a list of things that come into my mind. Things that come into my I think you're going to be really surprised with this list. How does, so I'm just going to say, this is my into my mind list. Ready? And obviously, there's so many places we can turn for this one. What does he put in my mind? His voice. His voice comes into my mind. Just kind of some fun little examples. Turn with me to 1 Nephi, going to get the plates. 1 Nephi chapter 4. Let's count. I mean, we can't even count them here. Uh, which one do I want to do? I want the, the one I can blow up. Let's do this one. All right, 1 Nephi chapter 4. How does Nephi know how to get the plates? All right, I was led by the Spirit. Verse 10, I was constrained by the Spirit. The Spirit said. Verse 12, the Spirit said. Um, Etc., etc., etc. Let me show you another one. Actually, we don't even need... How many times in the Scriptures do you watch... Someone have a conversation with God because their voice, the Lord's voice, is coming into their mind. he's, He's putting his voice in my mind. Now, that's a dangerous one because what does Heavenly Father's voice in my mind sound like? Does it take on a different tone? It really doesn't. His voice in my mind sounds like my voice in my mind. So, for example, um, when I was a kid, we'd go to Lake Powell and we'd go, we'd, get, we'd rent a houseboat, we'd go cliff jumping. We just, that was our family vacation. One time we pulled into this beautiful little cove and we parked the houseboat right on this straight cliff and there was a beach over here and we were going to go climb the cliff and go. And so we parked the houseboat right here. My dad jumps into the water to swim over to the beach and all of a sudden gets a very strong impression in his mind. Move the houseboat. Move the houseboat. 
So he swims back and he moves the houseboat. And the rest of us are like, Dad, that was the perfect spot. And as soon as he parks the houseboat over here, a huge chunk of that cliff falls down and lands exactly where the houseboat was, about the size of the houseboat. It would have crushed it, would have killed my mom, my grandma, and it would have stranded us long before cell phones were invented. That was clearly the voice of God coming into my dad. Now, <clears throat> I stop at Walmart, I leave the car, I'm halfway in, and this little thought comes to me, you left the car unlocked. My laptop's in there. You left the car unlocked. So I run back, and guess what? It's locked. That was me. That was the worrisome nature inside of me who had a thought. And so how do you tell the difference? How do you tell the difference between his voice in my head and my voice in my head? Can I tell you something a little intimidating but wonderful at the same time? Boyd K. Packer said the following. Now, I love this and I hate this at the same time because I'd like to think that they get the voice more clearly than I do. But Boyd K. Packer said, as an apostle, I listen now to the same inspiration coming from the same source in the same way that I listen to as a boy. They don't get revelation any different. The only difference is what? I've learned to distinguish. I've learned to tell the difference when it's his voice and my voice. So let me give you something that Joseph Smith said that I think is profound on learning to distinguish. I promise you, Heavenly Father is practicing with you in non-essential ways because someday it's going to be essential. Heavenly Father is practicing with you constantly. Joseph Smith said this. Now tell me if this has ever happened to you. A person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flow into, into you, it may give you sudden strokes of ideas that by noticing it, you may find it fulfilled the same day or soon. Those things that were presented to your mind by the spirit of God will come to pass. And thus, by learning the Spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ. Tell me if you've ever had a thought, and then later that day, it happened. It came to pass. And your thought was probably weird, right? What your thought should be is, oh, okay. I see what he's doing. We're practicing, aren't we? That was him. How many times does he put a thought in your head that comes to pass? How many times? Now that's Heavenly Father practicing with you. Learn to hear the voice. But... We'll have to save more another time. But one thing Heavenly Father puts into your, your head is His voice. 
Let's add to that. Ready? This is a fun list. All right, here's one. Ready? First Nephi 18.1. How did Nephi know how to build a boat? True or false? Jerusalem is a major boat building center. No. <laughs> Very false. Nephi grew up watching people build boats. No. Nephi was familiar with boats. No. No. How in the world does Nephi know how to build a very unusual boat? Verse 1. First Nephi 18, verse 1. How did he know how to build a boat? Do you see it? Who sees it? The Lord showed him. So what does Heavenly Father put into our head? Pictures. A very common form of revelation is he puts a picture in your head. Sometimes it's a voice. Sometimes it's a picture. Think back through your life. How many times have you just seen it? I saw it. I saw it in my head. I knew where to go. How did Joseph Smith know exactly where the plates were buried? As soon as he got there, he knew which rock to turn over because he just saw it. I saw it in my head. How many, have, how many times has he just shown you a picture? Let me give you probably the most famous example from President Nelson. Now, may I suggest the Lord was teaching a doctor how to save thousands of lives. President, Dr. Nelson will spend the next decade or so flying around the world teaching people how to do this. And how did he know how to do it? The Lord showed him. Ready? Many of us have had experiences with the sweet power of prayer. One of mine was shared with a stake patriarch from Southern Utah. I first met him in my medical office more than 40 years ago during the early pioneering days of surgery of the heart. This saintly soul suffered much because of a failing heart. He pleaded for help thinking that his condition resulted from a damaged but repairable valve in his heart. Extensive evaluation revealed that he had two faulty valves. While one could be helped surgically, the other could not. Thus, the operation was not advised. He received this news with deep disappointment. Subsequent visits ended with the same advice. Finally, in desperation, now here's a man of faith. He spoke to me with considerable emotion. Dr. Nelson, I have prayed for help and I have been directed to you. The Lord will not reveal to me how to repair that second valve, but he can reveal it to you. Your mind is so prepared. If you will operate on me, the Lord will make it known to you what to do. Please perform the operation that I need and pray for the help that you need. That's faith. His great faith had a profound effect on me. How could I turn him away again? Following fervent prayer together, I agreed to try. In preparing for that fateful day, I prayed over and over again, but still did not know what to do for his leaky tricuspid valve. Even as the operation commenced, my assistant... <coughs> uh, even as the operation commenced, my, my assistant asked, what are you going to do for that? I said, I don't know. We began the operation. After relieving the obstruction of the first valve, we exposed the second valve. 
We found it to be intact, but so badly dilated that it could not function as it should. While examining this valve, a message was distinctly impressed upon my mind. Reduce the circumference of the valve. That's this one. God put a voice in his head. Reduce the circumference of the ring. I announced that message to my assistant. The valve tissue will be sufficient if we can effectively reduce the ring towards its normal size. But how? We couldn't apply a belt as you would tighten the waist of oversized trousers. We couldn't squeeze with a strap as one would cinch the saddle on a horse. Then a picture came vividly to my mind, showing how stitches could be placed to make a pleat here and a tuck there to accomplish the desired objective. I still remember that mental image complete with dotted lines where sutures should be placed. The repair was completed as diagrammed in my mind. We tested the valve and found the leak to be reduced remarkably. My assistant said, it's a miracle. I responded, it's an answer to prayer. The patient's recovery was rapid and his relief gratifying. Now, not only was he helped in a marvelous way, but surgical help for other people with similar problems had become a possibility. He will teach every doctor he knows how to perform that surgery. I take no credit. Praise goes to this faithful patriarch and to God who answered our prayers. This faithful man lived for many more years and has since gone to his eternal glory. Sometimes he just puts pictures. When I got married, my best friend, my best man was my little sister. She and I had been close my whole life and she was my best man. So at the wedding, she was going to wear a tuxedo and a black skirt. It was awesome. But suddenly my mom realized that she would be without a bridesmaid's dress for the wedding breakfast. She realized that after she'd made all the dresses. So she decided to make one more dress so that my sister could have a bridesmaid's dress for the, the wedding breakfast. You don't wear tuxedos to the wedding breakfast and everyone else will be in their bridesmaid's dress. But they, all the stores were out of the material. She went to every fabric store she could think of and not one of them had the material. And she prayed, Heavenly Father, help me. I just want my daughter to have a dress. Driving home from the last material store that didn't have the material, she saw a picture in her mind. She knew how to fold the material in order to make one more dress with the scraps that she had. And it worked perfectly. And she made the dress. He just puts pictures in our mind. I wonder how many scientific inventions have because God just put a picture in someone's mind. And we don't credit him for the revelation. He showed me how to fix a car once. He just put a picture in my mind. And I knew what to do. I knew where it was. Okay, let's do another one. Section 138, speaking of the work for the dead, the revelation of the spirit world. Verse 11, tell me what else Heavenly Father puts in my mind. Doctrine and Covenants section 138, last section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Joseph F. Smith, his son, his, uh, this is the Spanish flu. He's lost several people 
And then all of a sudden, tell me what Heavenly Father puts into our mind. 138.11. Sometimes He just puts understanding. Sometimes He just puts understanding in my mind. How many times have you simply, oh, I get it. I know why. I understand. How many times have you just understood? Math? How many times has Heavenly Father taught you math? By simply, oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. I love that phrase. The eyes of my understanding were opened. How often? Can I give you an example? Kind of a silly one. Uh, but I can't forget it. Um, we've been mounting TVs on the walls. You know, like every the kids' bedrooms and our, our, our master bedroom. We mounted. I can't stand the dangling cords. I can't stand dangling cords. You mount a TV, there should be no dangling cords. So I move the power up to behind the TV so that we can plug it right in. There's no dangling cord. So there's a power box, and I'm trying to fish this line in to the power box below it so I can, and I've got a hole about this big. I'm trying to fish from about four feet above it into a little teeny hole. I've been trying for about a half an hour, and it's not working, and I'm getting frustrated. And then out of the blue, I, I know what to do. Fish it up. Just run it up. I just, un oh my goodness, that was the most obvious thing to do. Run the line up, not down. So I fished it through the little hole and it popped right out the big one in the top. About 10 seconds later. Now, no, I didn't hear him say, fish it up. I didn't see a picture. It's just all of a sudden, I knew what to do. It's obvious. Now, I do admit some of those were my thoughts. But I think we're a little arrogant in taking credit for revelation that God is putting into my head. And so you know what I've started to do? Ever since that moment, every time a brilliant idea hits my head, I thank Him for it. Now, are all of them Him? Probably not. I think I'm capable of coming up with some brilliant ideas. But I have learned that by crediting Him, when it is Him, it humbles me and invites more revelation. Sometimes you just understand, and that was the revelation you received. Should we do another one? All right, let's do one more. Um, time, well, I mean, we could do so many more. Let's do this one. Let's do... Uh, New Testament, John 14, 26. Name one thing he just puts in my mind. And maybe we should have started with this one. Maybe this is the most common one of them all. John 14, 26. Tell me one thing, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. One thing that Heavenly Father 
puts in my mind. Everyone there? John 14, 26. Last part of the 26. Bring all things to your... In other words, what's one thing he puts into my mind? Reminders. How many times have you suddenly remembered? How many times have you been walking out and suddenly remembered? Ooh, I forgot that. Oh, that would have been so bad. That would have been so bad. Now, am I capable of remembering? Of course I am. I am not innocent in thinking that they're always God. But how many of you, looking back on your life, think it was always you? How many times did a loving Heavenly Father say, Bryce, you're forgetting something. Oh my goodness, thank you so very much. That would have been so bad if I'd forgotten that. You want to know how many times in this classroom I've suddenly remembered a scripture that was just perfect for the moment? How many times does he remind, put understanding, pictures, his voice. Do you see how often we're led by revelation? Jocelyn? Um, when I was um, 18 years old, and um, my mom said, you need to bring your phone to the car because you're going to be needing it. And I went out to the car and I forgot my phone. And when I once say got in the car, then I remembered I need my phone. How many times? And then I said, I forgot my phone, Mom, I have to go. So I went back inside and got my phone, and I also saw some things I also left. I also grabbed what I needed. So I put it where I need to be, and I took it to the car. Now, if you're not careful, tell me your thought process when you remembered something important. What did you say to yourself? Oh, I'm glad I remembered. Maybe, just maybe, we should be a little bit more humble and say, thank you, Heavenly Father, for the reminder. Thank you for reminding me. How many times does he speak? How many times does he put a prompting? Go see your grandma. Go to institute tonight. I get that one a lot. People hear that prompting, go to Institute tonight. And then after the lesson, they came up to me and say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I came because I needed to hear that. How many times does your father speak to you? How many messages come to your mind? Would you start to acknowledge, thank him, honor him, and invite more? Will you pay attention this week to how many times he puts something into your mind and communicates with you? Would your confidence, when you leave this building, would your confidence increase in knowing that you're being led by revelation because you know you're not doing the wrong thing? I am not on the wrong path. I know that. Therefore, I must be on the right one. I testify with all my soul 
that your Heavenly Father speaks to you constantly. Learn to hear the voice. Learn to recognize when He's with you. And learn to hear the voice. Is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.